The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi, I'm Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC's coverage of the Premier League. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Plus, be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. So mentioned it in the window, the transfer deadline day. No, no big deals for Chelsea. And here's what Frank Lampard had to say to the media yesterday. Look at Manchester United signing a big, big player, world-class player in my opinion. The teams around us, Sheffield United making fantastic signings. Tottenham have signed a few. They're not far behind us. This is not to talk ourselves down because we're six points clear in fourth, but we probably become the underdogs because the teams around us have strengthened. Robbie, an interesting choice of words there. He's calling themselves underdogs. Mm. What, what message do you think he's trying to send here? Well, a couple of messages, I think. I think first and foremost, he's trying to send a message to his board and his ownership that we, we want to spend money and I want new players. I know that it's gone well with a young squad, but I want players coming in. And, and you often see that from managers that want to send a bit of a message. Um, I think he's overdone it a little bit, given some of the comments at the end of that. And I understand, you know, he's a young manager, doesn't want to be seen as the pushover, um, and he does want to drive on and win things. But when you give your players any type of excuse just to drop off your highest level, when you lower expectations just a smidgen, players sometimes take it, or some players do. And I think that's the risk when he says things like, you know, we're the underdogs now to finish in the top four. If I'm a player... I don't know. I don't think I want to hear that. I, I get the first part about trying to poke your board about new players. We want to drive on. I'm not going to be the pushover. But then be positive. You know, I'm happy with my squad. We've done a great job to now. I trust them, you know. And really, January is a tough window. And to make this Chelsea first eleven better, you've got to bring in a really, really good player because they're, you know, young, younger squad with real talent. So I kind of get it that it's a difficult window. I just thought his reaction was a little over the top. You know, I, I agree with a lot of that. I just, I'd say if I had to pick a side, I just like the confidence that he's showing mm. as a manager. You know, today dropping Keppa, which he said over the lineups, massive call, mm. most expensive goalkeeper in the world, who hasn't, who hasn't made massive mistakes, a couple of things at his level he, he should do better. Um, and I think about comments about Pulisic at the beginning of the year. It, it's really clear that this job is a big one for Frank Lampard. He's a young manager and made even bigger in that he's super frank. You know, he's a legend at Chelsea Football Club. You don't get to stay long at Chelsea Football Club. So I understand when managers lose their jobs for winning titles or winning trophies, why he'd say, I've overachieved with the group we had. We had a transfer ban and now we don't. It's did not as if they were inactive, he, but did, they just didn't go aggressively after it. Do anymore. you think he lowers expectations when he says things like that, that were underdogs? I, I agree with you there where the chemistry of the locker room is everything. And mm. that if you say, well, hold on a second, you know, Pochettino did this perfectly where he, you know he was mad a lot of the times mm. when Daniel Levy didn't spend money. Mm -hmm. But he'd say, I love my group. I'm going to mm. work with my group. Mm. I, I just think communication is one of Frank Lampard's strengths. If he said that publicly, I want to I say behind the scenes, players know where they stand with him. And, and, and wouldn't let a comment like that affect them. But, yeah. but you're right. That is the risk that, that he makes. Do you think it's true 
Do you, I mean, it might be motivation for Frank Lampard, but do you think at all it's true? No, I don't think it's true. You don't think they're underdogs? They're in a, they're, no, they're in a great spot in the league right now. They've played well. They've got the majority of their, their squad available. I didn't mention it, but the lineup on the bench is good. I mean, there's a good bench there. So it's a good squad. It's just we get that he wants to push on and improve this team. You feel like maybe they need something, a younger club here to get through the 38-game mm. Premier League season for the first time. You know, the recent form for Chelsea has not been great. Recent form for Leicester hasn't been great either, Kyle. Yeah, it, it hasn't been. And um, I just think for Leicester, it's more... The, the consistency in, in the performances, at some point, there was going to be a dip, especially after the busy fixtures of... Uh, of, of the Christmas schedule, dropping out of a cup competition hurts hurts the, the, the confidence and off, uh, always disappoints a group. I just look at the Leicester project and think, man, there's so many pieces there. I mean, I, I think if today you look at anything, you're saying Didi's a massive miss, mm-hmm. but Chowdhury's a young, exciting player. I mean, Brendan Rodgers has a lot to work with at this club. They, they've earned the right to have a dip in form. There's a 14-point gap to fifth place, so they're looking really, really strong for a top-four finish, which at the start of the season, Carl... No one thought Nobody this. thought that was possible. So there's no question done a great job. I'm sure he wants to add to the squad. But again, a good young squad, you've got to be so careful the sort of character you bring into the dressing room that, to, to, to have the right and, mix in there. And this game today is a perfect example of the talent that's behind buying world-class players. I mean, there, there are a lot of young players that wouldn't get opportunities in other clubs today that will be on display that are excellent. So, so Robbie, always in a draw, you, you, you try to look at the team that might feel a little fortunate to get the draw. Uh, Chelsea, do you feel like they were fortunate today to yes, pick up that point? I think so. And Tony Rudiger, they should go and thank him. Two great headers from set pieces. Um, there were moments when Chelsea looked really, really good. And they continue to be a team that, with a split personality for me. They start off looking great. Some of the football is fantastic. Some of the attacking play looks good. Yes, they can do a better job of taking opportunities when they come. But that's the good side of them. Then second half, you see the open side of them, the, the ragged side of them, the sloppy, the soft side of them. Christensen gets done at a set piece. Johnny Evans should score. They then get played through again, where Harvey Barnes misses from nine yards out with nobody in his way. So they could have conceded more goals. They're just a little, at times, a little easy to play through, Chelsea, at the moment. Yeah, and, and Frank Lampard, he's, he's going to start to get frustrated. And we saw he's frustrated and we've said it with uh, the lack of signings in the transfer window. And Tammy Habram is, is, is catching a little bit of a rut. And, and, you know, he's coming back from an injury. But that's 10 games, two goals right now in the Premier League. And Batshuayi rarely gets a start. Giroud rarely gets an appearance. So it, it's going to be, for Frank Lampard, a situation of they did everything they were supposed to do, everything they've worked on. They won the ball back well. They played between the lines. They got great service from the flanks. But they fatigue and sort of mm. drop out of games. And for Leicester... Um, you know, I thought Chowdhury had a good game to try to place in Didi, which is tough to do. But, uh, you know, they thought they should go and get three points this game, and they couldn't mm-hmm. see it out. Frank Lampard yesterday perhaps a bit frustrated. The team didn't make bigger moves in the transfer window. Frustrated in the first half today. That got better in the second half thanks to Antonio Rudiger's two goals in the second half. We're going to hear from him, but first from the manager himself. Frank, what would you make of that? Greasy recovery? Yeah, I suppose. Um, I thought it was a pretty even game. I felt we were the better team in the first half. Maybe not on chances, we gifted them a few opportunities, but in terms of our press and, uh, and how we moved the ball at times, and we had some real guilt-edge chances ourselves. Um, and then in the second half, we weren't so fluid, um, and they had clear chances as well, so I think it's pretty even. You caught them cold right at the start of the second half, so I mean, you had the advantage there. Yeah, yeah, we did, and that's nice because we want to score more goals from set pieces, something we work on a lot, and, um, and to get two through Tony was, was great because in a, in a game, particularly games like this, where you know you're against 
top quality opposition goals like that that get you in the lead and obviously then get us back level are hugely important. And Rudiger was outstanding with his old general performance, wasn't it? Yeah, he was, and a lot a lot of them were. I think I thought Andreas Christensen as well, and uh, he was struggling with a bit of a fever at half time as well. But he uh, his first half performance was was you know really good, and yeah, Tony obviously aggressive and gets the two goals. The second one's a really great header as well, so I was, I was pleased. And of course, you made the big call, putting Willy Caballero in goal. He made the save in the first half from Vardy. What did you make of that performance, and does he keep his place? Well, I'm not going to talk about that now, but I, I thought his performance was, was pretty good because he makes a good save there, was comfortable with his feet. Um, I was right behind the Harvey Barnes goal. It was sort of typical, you know, the, the deflection, and instantly it was in, so there's not much you can do with either goal. So, yeah, no, pleased. Are you still sticking to the uh, claim that you are underdogs in this battle for the top four, perhaps? Probably doesn't matter. Probably doesn't matter what I say, because I, th- I think we were, we were underdogs at the start of the season. Um, not many people gave us a top four slot as a, as a given, and I understand why, and it's probably the same now. So that's, uh, that's just where we're at. But, you know, we've, we've shown we, we were six points clear before this game. We've come to Leicester, who everyone's raving about this season, quite rightly, because they're a really good team, uh, and I've got a well-fought draw, so we move on. In the build-up to this game, Frank Lampard said he felt that Chelsea were kind of underdogs, the outsiders for the top four of the Champions League now, with other teams strengthening below you. What mentality do you and the players have to approach? To get better each day. This is what we have to do. We have to, we have to, we have to stop uh, with this sloppiness. Like, uh, be focused in the game, stay in the game, and uh, that's it. If we are underdogs or not, at the end of the day, we will see. So this is kind of what happens. Frank Lampard throws out that word underdog, and now the players and he himself are going to be asked about it here for the next few weeks. So do you think, Frank Lampard said it yesterday, they're underdogs to finish in the top four. Do you agree with him? Well, yeah, of course, of course they are. I mean, at, at this point, um, you give them a better chance, obviously, because they sit in the top four and they have, they have that little bit of a gap. But, uh, you know, I look at them, and, and Robbie and I were doing this on paper and looking at Leicester and looking at Chelsea, and and. Leicester, who have expectations that are lower than Chelsea Football Club, are, are, are pretty even. The game was pretty even, and, and the squads are pretty even. I think you know, Chelsea enjoy a little bit deeper of a bench, and I think that's the frustration is that the Chelsea job, regardless of a ban or regardless of where they are a rebuild, you're expected to be relevant. You're expected to finish top four. So it's a challenge for Frank Lampard, and, and today is frustrating for him because I think he's doing the right things with the side to, to get results. And I think the balance of that positivity in that interview was smart because go, going away with a point against Leicester is, is good for them. Yeah, I mean, they are, they're not underdogs finishing top four. They've got, they've got a good gap now. They're in that spot right now. And it's not as though United and, and the others beneath them are playing particularly well. So they're not underdogs right now to finish in the top four. I don't care what he says. And Rudiger was more honest afterwards. I mean, I, I get the Frank Lampard... Better when the players do it. Yeah. Frank Lampard, yeah. Uh, Rudiger said, we're sloppy. We've got to get better day by day. Totally agree. You know, yes, the two goals were great from him, but Leicester could and should have won the game late on with the chance that they had there. And, and Frank Lampard said it himself, first half very good, second half not yeah. good. They were ahead again. They're having a job managing games yeah. and being uh, durable and professional to see out games. And, and another example today where they were a little bit ragged in the second half. But they keep chugging along, Leicester, yeah. that, that lead between them and everyone else below them. So nil-nil, United Wolves, probably Wolves, Robbie, the most happy to pick up a point at Old Trafford. Yeah, yeah they'll be happier. I thought they were solid. Uh, they offer a real threat on the counter-attack. They had a couple of looks, um, mostly comfortable against Man United. And I think that's more of the story here. Uh, Bruno Fernandes looks quality, we knew that. But United lack a striker. And we know that Marcus Rashford's out right now. Even with Rashford, that can play 
I'd argue he's better from a wider area. They still lack in a real quality centre forward that's going to help their play. The build-up play and some of the football was OK. I thought it was a little bit intricate at times. Lacked penetration. We said that at half-time. But I guess you'll take that for United. More possession, more football, but the penetration, the final third quality is still lacking. Dan James has gone off a little bit. Mata, Pereira, neat and tidy, but no real threat to get behind defenders. This game is about getting behind defenders, and that's where goals are scored. Yeah, it just lacked dynamism. At moments where Manchester United looked to possess the ball well and, and were able to get between the lines, were able to break through, and, and just for moments get, get Wolves out of their shape. But it was just too easy for Wolves to fall back into a rhythm and get behind the ball. And, and what's interesting is Greenwood, you know, Igalo not, not ready yet, who they brought in on loan last minute. You know, Greenwood, I remember Ole Gunnar Solskjaer saying he's their best finisher. And it's just interesting. He's not going to get a lot of opportunities. This might be the type of game where I really wanted to see him and get some moments earlier, yeah. give him some looks. Yeah, it could have been a whole lot different if that uh, near chance for United at the end would have gone in, would have been a different discussion. Welcome in the guys who called the game with Arlo and Graham. It just seems like it's a, a Man United team that's struggling to find an identity, guys. Yeah, they've got injury problems at the moment. We know that some high-profile players like Marcus Rashford and Paul Pogba on the sidelines, Scott McTominay as well. Um, there's a malaise that has set in that even a Bruno Fernandes debut, although he looked sharp in the first half, couldn't really lift. Are there any positives to take out of that for Manchester United? Well, it's hard to say, really, isn't it? I think defensively, Maguire Lindelof did okay um, today, did well. Fred played well. Uh, Fernandez has got some nice, you know, lovely parts to his game. Obviously, good quality. I think, I think the issue for Manchester United is the creative players are finding it really difficult to affect the game. And um, you know, Daniel James is in a, in a lean spell. Matter, you know, they've all got some nice qualities, but none of them make anything happen at the moment. And uh, Martial the same. Now, whether that's individual or whether that's the way they're being sort of detailed to play the system, the style, what their tactics are, but. There's, there's a couple of things missing that are key to this team. And unless they're corrected, I think they're going to stumble and plod like we've seen today. Would it be fair to say that Odia Nagala, when he arrives, will walk into this side? <laughs> Not necessarily. Uh, I mean, like Ahmed said there, what's their identity? You know, Agalo's a different, a very different player. Um, you know, you can play through him with his back to goal compared to maybe Martial, but... Who knows? We'll have to wait and see, Arlo. We will. We thought <laughs> that one of these sides would maybe take the game by the scruff of the neck to close the gap on Chelsea. But Ahmed, at the moment, it's Sheffield United who look the most likely to hunt down Chelsea. Remarkable state of affairs. We'll talk to you again tomorrow from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium for the game against Manchester City. Ali, how would you sum that up? Well, a game like, uh, as you expected, really. Uh, we uh, dominated the game, loads of possession. Um, they're given us problems on counter-attacks and some uh, some set plays. Uh, we've we played so many games the last two months and the players are down to the bare bones, really. The energy levels are, d are down and they need a break now. Nuno said from his perspective, you changed things at half-time to maybe wrestle the initiative after Wolves had a decent first half. What did you do? Uh, obviously, we swapped uh, Dan over to the right. We got Bruno deeper to get on the ball for us um, I felt we controlled the first half as well we had 65% possession in either half uh, but second half we were threatening a little bit more, Bruno had a few shots I think the ground staff must have moved the goal half a yard to the right by the way because that's down bottom corner with both Mason and uh, Diogo and Juan, something must have uh, something must have happened last night
I'm sure. How did he do, the new boy, Bruno Fernandes? Oh, you can see he's a top player. Of course, it's the first game. We um, First half, every, everyone was, was more or less getting the ball into feet. Uh, and, you know, Bruno is one of them who, when he gets the ball into feet, he wants players running, wants players moving in front of him. And we, di we didn't move enough in front of him. So we felt we moved him further back to get him on the ball more. And um, he, he'll be a top, top addition. Are these the types of games for you? You said 65% position first half, I think similar second half, yeah. but breaking teams down from that dominance and control. How many teams break Wolverhampton down? There's not many. We've now played them three times on the bounce. We've, we've had three clean sheets. Yeah, we've scored one, uh, and they haven't scored any. So it, it's a hard team to play against. They've had 10 days to prepare before this game. So I'm, I'm very happy with my boys. I've got to say, today was also about... All the games we've played with the energy that they've spent, they've been absolutely top. Goals are worry at the moment in the Premier League, that's three games now since Rashford was injured. That's also energy. Of course it is. Now we, we do lack that little spark in the, in the last third. And uh, give us this break now and we'll, we'll start uh, scoring goals. Just to sum up what his impact might be, if you'd have had Odin Nogalo today, how would it have helped? Well, he's a, he's a goal scorer, a very good goal scorer, physical presence in the box. And uh, we could have helped Anthony. Uh, first half, Anthony was isolated. We, we didn't get any runs in, in and around him. And it's frustrating to be a striker then. And a word on the fans, because I think I asked you before the match, there were obviously rumours of a walkout. But Different class, weren't they? Well, again, again, that's Man United fans for you. And uh, even from the start, the atmosphere was really good. We needed that because the energy in the, in the team and they helped us again. So thank you uh, ever so much again. Thanks, Oli. Cheers. So Ollie's saying this was to be expected, maybe partly because Pogba and Rashford are out, and he also he said the team is just a little run down. They need their winter break, what they get right now. Uh, Robbie, what do you think of that? Yeah, disappointing. I mean, as expected. I mean, talking about energy and, and games, Wolves. I mean, they've played 40-odd games with their Europa League exploits, uh, exploits early on, so they, and nowhere near as big a squad as Man United, so they have every right to be tired. Not enough penetration. He said he's very happy with that, and yet he's still criticised we need an extra spark in the, in the attacking third. Um... I just think he looks satisfied, and that's a worry. That's one win in the last five games in the Premier League. That's not good enough. They're hanging on to the kind of fifth or sixth area now by a, by a thread, mm -hmm. and if they don't start winning games, they're going to drift down the league. Well, and, and what do you say? Not, um, not many teams break Wolves down. I mean, Watford just broke Wolves down a month ago and, and beat them. You know, it's, some, so, uh, sometimes I, I feel like he started with this hyperbole of we're Manchester United, we need to play for titles. And, and I agree, he's kind of slowly slipped into accepting mediocrity. That wasn't a lack of legs today, it was a lack of ideas. I mean, they, they were in moments where they could have hurt Wolves and they didn't. I mean, that, that's flat out what it is. And so Bruno Fernandes didn't have a great day, but he is looking like he can be a difference maker. And we'll see when time Fact comes. still remains, we're starting 30 years for Manchester United. Whenever you get Pep Guardiola and Jose Mourinho together, that is epic. It was really epic when they were at Barcelona. Real Madrid hasn't quite had that magic in England. Yeah, I mean, it's had that magic, but I think right now it just doesn't have that, that spark of, of the fireworks. Is Jose going to say something? Is there going to be uh, this almost you know face-up, like two fighters getting ready to go into a, a title bout? And I think... If you, if you trace the, the history of it, and it's been an incredible history that's been good to us, it, it might go back to when Pep Guardiola got the Barcelona job and Jose Mourinho not even looked at for it, um, and, and Pep Guardiola didn't have first-team experience at that point. And then, you know, Inter Milan, when he knocked him out of the Champions League, as you said, the duopoly of battling in Spain for that title. And, and I'd say there's two reasons it doesn't have the spark. One might be... 
age. It just might be maturity at this point where, you know, they've, they've, they've done a lot in the game. They really don't have much left to prove. I think it more has to do with the fact, Robbie, that this is the first time neither of them are battling for a title mm-hmm. in the domestic league. And, and that's a rare occurrence to, to have both of them playing for obviously a lot this year. I mean, top four for... Mm. Uh, Spurs would be success, three cup, cup competitions for, for Manchester City, but it's just so weird to have them facing each other with no title implications. I mean, you could, you could say that, that Joe's at the start of his project at Spurs and, and Pep, some might argue, is coming to the end of his project. I don't think so. I think he'll continue. But what, for whatever reasons, it's not quite working for them right now. And what's fascinating with these two is that their approach and their philosophy is so polar opposite. They do it so differently, yet they've been so successful. But you could argue right now that those that would criticise both are still asking questions. Uh, Jose Mourinho at Spurs, what are you going to do? Are you going to go back to super defensive counter-attacking? Looks like at the moment he's trying to play a little bit, which isn't working out too well. And for Pep at City, it's always been this... He's always on the uh, thinking about attacking and being expansive to the detriment of defensive side of it. So I think two teams and two managers that are still wrestling to try and get to their best, which is very difficult because it's such a distinct way of playing... But really, when you look at two of them, there's still more questions right now on Jose. More questions on whether he can get back to being a great manager. Um, Pep has done it very recently. But I guess, I guess, you know, will he continue next season? Maybe next season, Carl, will finally get these two guys fired up um, to, to be competing again. Because when they are, it's pretty well, good to watch. Well, may, may, maybe, Jose, some think he's changed. You know, some think his time away this last time. And I'm seeing Musto's face saying <laughs> it's just a matter of time before he sure gets... I'm just not sure we like the change, Jose, do we? Don't we want the nasty, yeah. horrible, aggressive, Well, it's worked, for him. it's worked for him in the past. As much yeah. as you don't like the way he goes out, he is a great instigator. He, he is good at, um, whether it's setting up a pragmatic style or just poking people in the press and stuff, it's interesting to see him so kind of, you know, the timidity of him right now in the media. Can this version of Jose Mourinho bring Tottenham into the top four? There's seven behind the fourth well, place. Well, Chelsea that's a right great now. question. And that's what we're talking about because it is a little bit different. He is trying to play a little bit with Spurs. And from my point of view, I'm trying to think back at a time when Jose's played a lot of attacking football and been super successful. Real Madrid was a little different because yeah, they're they so dominant. Goals, yeah. They're so dominant there. But he's trying to do it in a bit of a different way. And you're right. And I still think they've got a chance of getting in the top four. I think they can grind away. We've seen United struggling. We're not sure, you know, with Wolves and Sheffield United. They've still got a chance. They win this game. Yeah, that's what I was about yeah. to say. I mean, we're, we're not saying this game's irrelevant. I mean, yeah. there is incredible relevance in this game in terms of it does pivot the season right now where, mm. man, does that put pressure on Pep, especially with his old rival. But for Jose, it's a huge game, especially at home with top four implications. To go up to fifth. To go up to fifth. Yep. We'll talk more about this game a little bit later in our program. I guess you can call that a, a quiet confidence from, from <laughs> Deli Alley. And it appeared that Jose Mourinho was able to get something out of him, at least initially six goals, three assists, and 16 games under Mourinho mm-hmm. when he came over to Spurs. Yeah. Interesting. It just, it's just fascinating to hear him talk there and... One thing when he talks about being difficult to manage, you've got to push his buttons. And I think over the last couple of seasons, for whatever reason, he dropped away. You heard the criticism there. We did it in this studio as well, where we weren't seeing the same player. When he first burst onto scene three years ago, 18 goals and seven assists in a Premier League season. That's a massive number for a midfield player to last season, down to five goals and three assists. What I would say is, though, he's still got the talent to, to get back to 18 goals. He really, really has. And, and you're seeing an improved Delhi right now. I think it'll get even better when Jose finishes his, his transition of this team because he's definitely transitioning this club with the players that's come in this window and Lacelso signed as well and Fernandez uh, and Bergwijn, this new forward, wide forward. So it's transitioning to a more of a Jose type of team and he is 
perfect for a Mourinho type of team for getting on the end of crosses and getting into the box to score goals. And that's what Mourinho does so well is, is man management. Listen, we talk about tactics a ton, how you set up teams. And tactically, you set up the team good to help Deli Alley, two holders, give him a little bit more freedom. But it's how he approached him first day of training, which was a big risk where Jose Mourinho kind of took a shot at him to say, are you Deli or are you Deli's brother? You know, and... and <laughs> And Jose is so smart at understanding and reading how he reacted to that. And the reaction was excellent. And our job's great because the neutrality allows us to enjoy talent. This is a talented young player. And have we been critical on others? Yeah, but it's because we know the level that he has. And speaking from experience, when, when I, my, my rookie year in the MLS, I, I got into the team. Rookie of the year, got into the U.S. national team. And then had a fall off the next season, as young players tend to do. Because you set a bar high, expectations are they don't care how old you are. You, you have to maintain that. And when he didn't have the confidence anymore, and now everyone looked at him and said, you're not young anymore. No one's looking at your age when you were born. We're seeing a player that can dominate games. So Jose has to get him back there because he has those qualities. You know, this is Harry Kane's team. For a while you could throw Christian Eriksen in that mix now who's not here. Will it ever be the point where this is Deli Alley who's mentioned in one of those top one or two players for Spurs? Yep, could be. Absolutely could be. I mean, we'll see what happens with Harry Kane when he comes back and then the future, the next few years. 23, Deli is. I mean, still very, very young. He's done a lot already. But you could see him being the main man here. Like Frank Lampard was at Chelsea, the, mid, the goals from midfield. I'm sure he's got the same kind of drive, Deli. It's just finding that style and the right chemistry around him that gets the best out of him because we've seen it before. We can totally see it again. He could be the main man at Spurs for the next few years. Well, and his goal-scoring ability, they need back big time. I mean, you know, Lucas Moore hasn't been scoring up in that striker position. Mm. Obviously, Harry Kane out maybe for the rest of the season. Mm. Bergwijn's more of a, a winger. Mm. That's what we loved about him the season he was scoring is those deep runs out of the mm. midfield. So Jose mm. Mourinho knows he has a talent, and now it's up to Jose to pry it out of him mm. consistently. See if you can get that talent out of him today when Spurs take on City, that is a little bit later on. 13 draws for Arsenal, Robbie. Four straight in the Premier League. Just It didn't seem like they could get anything going today. Just disappointing. Disappointing. I think both managers will be disappointed with that. Arsenal, given the team they've got, given the fact that all forwards are fit and available right now, Arsenal fans must have expected more from them. More control, more football, more creativity. And Burnley will be frustrated because they didn't win the game. Gerald Rodriguez misses a sitter from four yards out. Other opportunities and set pieces, they nearly scored there. It's just this Arsenal situation card, it just, you, you expect more. You expect the manager's done a, a reasonable job of organising. It's just the mentality of the group maybe to drive and take that game. Well, and, and drawing more games than any club in all of Europe right now, in any of the, the big five leagues. I guess you can look at it two ways. This is an Arsenal team that needed to stay in games and manage games better. So you say, okay, the margins are tight, which you give them a little bit of credit there. But then quality should win overall. Quality should be the difference in a lot of these draws between them leaving with one point and leaving with three. They, they got enough good looks today, especially early on in the first half, that they should have buried some of those chances. But I give credit to Burnley for sure. Well, their two center backs probably played yeah. the best you could play as a center back duo. And Burnley should have gone to win the game. So that, that has to be frustrating for Arteta and Arsenal fans. 25 games gone and these two clubs are the same, same point. Which is inexcusable. It is, given the, the difference in wages is, is amazing. Now, I know Arsenal are going through a transition. But still, wow, I mean, just a big job for Mikel Arteta. I just expected more today, Ahmed, from Arsenal. I thought they'd go there and get on the ball and find a way to win. They were lucky not to get, to get beat, given some of the chances Burnley had. And you mentioned to me, too, there were some instances with the yellow cards where Burnley was faster. 
2 0. Tottenham, this really is a defining win <laughs> for Jose Marino in Spurs. Yeah, I mean, what a game. I mean, literally had everything. A debutant goal, red cards, VAR drama, uh, great strikes, bad misses, a penalty save. I mean, trying to summarize that's difficult. Man City, you think about it from their point of view. Penalty chance to win the game, that, or to, to go ahead in the game. You had other great chance, Sterling's heavy pass, you know, the Sinchenko challenge. They messed it up. They messed it up. I mean, it's starting to look a little bit more like a Jose Spurs, very deep, very defensive, and it wasn't great at times. They certainly um, looked under pressure, but they stayed in the game, and they have got some game winners. I feel like Graham said, Lasoso looks every week to be getting better and better as a central midfield player, um, just, just signed permanently. So that's really, really great. It's great when your new signing scores, uh, and Dembele comes on, looks good as well. So a big win for Jose, close to the top four. It kind of feels like a defining, but a, but a big step in Jose's project at Spurs. Well, and with Manchester City, they're, they're, it kind of goes back to their first season where there's a trifecta of things that break this, this delicate but, but special system of theirs. One is, is sloppiness. When you play that open and you want to possess the ball, in the second half, a sloppiness crept into their game where they were giving the ball away cheaply, and then you're in an attacking posture and very vulnerable. The next is, uh, is poor discipline defensively, just, just, just errors that they, they shouldn't be making. And then the last is a lack of, of ruthless clinical finishing in the final third. All three of those things showed up in the second mm -hmm. half. And I worry about them in cup competitions. If they're going to hang their hat on cup competitions, resting Laporte and doing other things and not playing the Silvas, they can't have any of those things creep into Champions League for sure mm -hmm. uh, or League Cup or FA Cup. Yep. Liverpool running away with this thing right now. 22-point lead at the top of the table. Slight correction. The earliest that Liverpool can win the title, March 15th, Merseyside Derby. They are rolling Liverpool historic season just continue to gain and gain points it's up to 22 right now 2-0 the final in this one Tottenham getting the victory over Man City in a game that had it all the guys who call the game Arlo White Graham Lasso Arlo you guaranteed a goal I was getting kind of nervous there for a second but you got it a good one <laughs> so were we so were we at nil nil at half time um you know the sending off was was crucial wasn't it but an observation that you've made Graham that I find very interesting is the hostility in the crowd mm -hmm. perhaps towards VAR when it's delaying the game as much as it is yeah, and it's difficult because obviously they're given very little information. You know, we don't know what's going up in the going on in the commentary position. So you can imagine the crowd; they don't, they're not seeing the incident played out necessarily. And there's definite rise in tension. And I think there's, you know, there's a danger that if this continues, then then you know we're going to have to start to look at how it's impacting on 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 the crowd. In terms of the game, Tottenham a absolutely vital three points for them if they want to close the gap on Chelsea for top mm. four. Yeah, absolutely. And we were talking about all the stats and while City had 11 men on the pitch, that's Hyunmin Song, yeah. by the way, behind us. I don't know if you're going to hear. He's got hundreds and hundreds of Korean fans watching him do the interviews. But with the, um, with the statistics, it looked like City, it was only a matter of time before they scored. They were wasteful. And then, obviously, with the man being sent off, that gave Tottenham the opportunity to be much more creative, much more attacking-minded minded, and showed City less respect in that sense mm. and obviously went on and, and scored the two goals, which, uh, which were both good goals. Is it just Laporte's absence that is, that is causing havoc for City? No, I felt today there was a definite drop in their very, very high standards and they need everything to be perfect to execute that beautiful style of football that we see and the goals that come from it. I think that's what was missing today. OK, Graham, I'm sure you'll be watching the Super Bowl till the early I hours will. of tomorrow morning. I certainly will. Ahmed, we'll send it back to you. Well done. Was that classic Jose, that victory? No, 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 no. Uh, 
We had a good work. We worked very hard during the week. I'm so pleased for the for the boys. We can um, we can look at the perspective of uh, we were a bit uh, lucky in a couple of situations. They hit the post or they miss um, a good chance. But we can see in the other perspective and say that we were very very unlucky that the VAR didn't decide for a Sterling red card, which is a clear red card. And um, from that moment, obviously, it's a completely different game. If we have to play 75 minutes or something like that against 10, 10 men. So 11 against 11, really difficult, hard. But my boys, very well organized, great effort, great discipline. Uh, we know how we can score goals. We know how we cannot score goals. <laughs> um, so we were... Uh, waiting for uh, for our chances and then when we don't play uh, more i know that they are top quality i know that one play less is not a big deal for them the way they move the ball they, the way they they they, they, they give dynamic to their game but in that moment we had our chances to score and uh, we didn't very important three points for us why are you so definite that it was a red card for sterling because uh, i see other other situations, I see when uh, the decision is a uh, is a red card. I see the red card of Son against um, against Chelsea. Uh, for me, it's a direct red card. In the first half, how concerned were you though when you were at times really under siege? But that's that's Man City. Is the is the champion? Is uh, fantastic team with players technically really 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 good we don't have the capacity to to play with um, with the front man that holds the ball and allow us to come out of of the pressure and to keep um, ball possession when we recover the ball we have only one way to get out um, and that's not keeping possession of the ball so against City they love the ball they know better than anyone to 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 know what to do with the ball so when they have the ball for the majority of the time, is is hard. But I think uh, fantastic performances, great concentration. I think uh, the way Celso and Wings they control um, Kevin De Bruyne, the movements that he does um, in these areas, and um, and Los Celso the way he controls also that position where Sterling comes inside and uh, and Gudonga supports there. I think the boys were phenomenal in their in their effort. Um, Goalkeeper saved the penalty. Uh, I think it was God's will because it's not a penalty. So, but our goalkeeper is fantastic and he's there to to try to give us points. What would you say, not just about the performance of your debutant Stephen Bergwijn, but also the quality of his goal, the take, the dispatch? Yeah, uh, you know, he's he's a great pass. I think Lucas, but then so sharp, technically so so comfortable, chest, volley. Unstoppable, even for a, a great goalkeeper like um, Ederson is. So, Robbie, when Jose replaced Pochettino, they were 14th. Spurs were 14th <coughs> in the table. Mm. Now they're all the way up to fifth, looking at the top four here. Has it been all Jose? Uh, well, there's been a mix, let's be honest. I mean, first took over, they won the first few games, and we were saying, wow, this is a different Spurs. And then probably reality set in where Pochettino was talking about that the squad needed to be changed, upgraded, a few players out. Now he's doing that now. He's brought in some players that are having an immediate effect. The Celso, 
uh, and Bergwijn that scores that Fernandes great goal. We, didn't see today, we haven't yeah. seen him yet, but there's a transition that's starting, and the, the results recently haven't been great. That's a big boost to the belief around that stadium that, yes, Jose is somebody that, that is going to be good for us, even though at times it looks like sometimes they're ultra-defensive. But it is Man City, and he's right in some of that. He's not right when he says it wasn't a penalty, because it was a penalty. <laughs> Everybody knows that. So yeah. that's the sign of him. That would have been a very different Jose if the penalty goes in and that they don't win the game, but he's still nice and chilled and, and happy Joseph. Well, I thought he did well. It, that was clearly a temp. It was it Shreves who was doing the interview. It was, it was trying, trying to poke him a, a little bit, and, and Jose did well not to fall for that bait because everyone's waiting for Jose to take offense to, is that a Jose win, which was a pejorative question to ask, saying it was a bunker in, park the bus. But, but he's right. They are not built, especially with Winks and, and Lacelso, as, as good as some of the pieces are, they are definitely not defensively built, and Jose hasn't enough time time yet to work on it, to handle uh, Manchester City by opening up and pressing them and going at them and getting on the ball. So, so it's okay. And listen, they are lucky today because should it have been a red card? He's got a very good argument for that. But, but they're lucky that Manchester City didn't capitalize on all of the clear opportunities they created. Who do you think finishes top four? Chelsea Spurs. or Spurs? You think Spurs? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Momentum now, four points behind. Frank's already said that we're underdogs to finish in the top yeah. four. I think they will find a way to grind and get in the top four. And with Tammy Abraham's also falling just a little bit out of form, the ankle injury, struggling to get back. I, I think the Chelsea project is seeing a little bit of a plateau right now mm. that Spurs might get above them. Yeah. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC Podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. I'm Rebecca Lowe. Bye for now. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.